Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Kent Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. You're listening to the AP Laboratory, where myself, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane all get together to talk about what we saw on tape from last week's game and look ahead to next week's opponents. We've got a lot to talk about this week, obviously. Uh, what a fantastic performance from Patrick Mahomes. I'll talk about him in a second. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the offense with Matt Lane, and then we'll start talking some defense with Craig Stout. And uh, then, of course, we're always uh, going to end every episode with a big mailbag. We've got a lot of questions again, as we do always. And uh, thank you for all of your questions. So many great ones. But first, let's talk a little bit about Patrick Mahomes. I'm uh, deep into the weekly film series for him. Parts one and two should be up by the time you're listening to it. And depending on when you do listen to it, part three very well could be up as well. Uh, Nothing short of amazing from the young quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. There really there wasn't a ton to be nitpicky about. There really wasn't. Um, there was a couple little issues. I think he had an, an issue with a protection adjustment uh, at the goal line early in the game. Um, the ball placement on, on one throw there too. Um, and then beyond that, there was one other thing. I, I, I think the thing that continues to be the, the thing to work on with him is just how he's negotiating and navigating the pocket. I think he's just trying to develop a level of comfort within the pocket that's just not quite there yet. It will. It will absolutely get there eventually. But I think he's still just kind of working in that space a little bit. Um, but beyond that, I mean, there was just so many positives. Um, you know, I think... Um, I think his ball placement overall was was exceptional, especially in the red zone. You know, you talk about where you hit Travis Kelsey up the seam against uh, Tampa two, and he he put the ball perfectly on the back shoulder to intentionally to try to draw him away from the, the from the defenders in zone coverage. And then he had a couple other play, ball placement on about on the back shoulder a couple times um, off of play action. We wrote about that in something good this week. And then uh, down the down the uh, down the uh, sideline to Tyreek Hill. I mean, he did some great things with the with, with where he placed the ball. I was very impressed with that. Um, I thought overall his eyes were really good too. I think he was moving coverage at times, um, holding defenders, trying to protect guys. Uh, one of Travis Kelsey's touchdowns down the middle of the field, he held the the safety to try to give Travis Kelsey a little bit more wiggle room. Um, there was so much. There was so much good to get excited about with the kid, and I I think personally I think he's ahead of where where I thought he was, and that's just so encouraging. 
Uh, and it's not that I didn't think he was going to be great. I just didn't think we would see such a rapid growth and progression. And I think part of that has to do with Andy Reid. I think Andy Reid deserves a ton of credit for what has happened to this point. Obviously, Pat has worked really hard to kind of race to this moment. He's been very aggressive and and has pursued um, this opportunity over the last year when he was behind Alex Smith. He was racing and pushing to try to prove to this organization that he was ready to take on this load. And he's done everything that he possibly could. But Andy Reid has has done such a great job of, of tying this offense, this personnel group, to Patrick Mahomes' ability. And and you, you saw this week why Sammy Watkins was on uh, was on the radar of the Chiefs in the offseason, why he eventually signed. He is going to be a difference maker several different weeks this this season Uh, i know last week was a little bit slow against the chargers but you saw what he's capable of after the catch he's exceptional with the ball in his hands off on the end around there was there was so much good there um and i i think adding him into the mix with travis kelsey and tyreek hill creates so many problems and you're seeing all of those problems manifest themselves um across the field uh the last the, the last two weeks it's it's just been great a couple a couple interesting nuggets patrick mahomes has surpassed brody croyle in the uh, in the touchdown department, he has ten touchdowns to Brody Croyle's eight for his career already. Uh, that I, I I found that nugget uh, last on Sunday. I, on Sunday, I tweeted that out, and it's it's kind of a statement to what our fan base in Kansas City has dealt with and what they have been subjected to for. The last 34 years with that 34-year gap between first-round quarterbacks, always taking somebody else's quarterback to try to lead this football team. And, and I, I look at that stat, and it, just, it made me laugh just to think about the fact that you know Patrick Mahomes is spoiling us so quickly with with um with his abilities it's 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 very surprising it it really is like i I, i'm very surprised that this has happened so fast and um the last two weeks have just been a lot of fun i hope we continue to see it um you you heard bud dupree talk about mahomes's performance uh, after the game, there's a quote that was running around on Twitter, basically talking about how the Steelers did not anticipate Mahomes was going to be so prepared, so smart, so ready to handle uh, all the looks that the Steelers tried to throw at them. And it looked like the Steelers were the ones that un- were unprepared because they were trying to be exotic. They were trying to confuse the kid and they busted coverage so many times. And we might talk about that with Matt Lane a little bit later, just how many coverage busts there was from the Steelers. Uh, one other thing I just want to make sure people you know pay attention to is the fact that don't forget that Patrick Mahomes has went toe-to-toe with two future Hall of Famers to start the 2018 season in Phil Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger on the road and beat them both. He outdueled them both. I don't think that should be understated. That's that's special. That's that's abnormal for a kid to go out there and do what he's done two weeks into his reign as the starting quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. A whole lot to be excited about here in Kansas City. Obviously, there's there's so much that that uh, that that Patrick Mahomes has brought to this city already, and uh, we'll continue obviously to be talking about that 
on Arrowhead Pride uh, every single week. Uh, but let's go ahead and bring Matt Lane in now to talk about the offense a little bit more, a few other things. Look ahead to this 49ers defense as well. Let's go ahead and bring Matthew Lane in. You can find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great this week. I don't know, see how anybody could be doing bad. I do have one complaint, though. I looked through our rundown real quick, and you did not put in the question about your hair care product. <laughs> Dude, you are you're, you would be embarrassed. Like it's like it's like probably some kind of old spice pomade stuff that my wife brings home. Like it's Man, nothing those fancy. fancy words. You just keep talking good. BJ Kissel, <laughs> BJ Kissel, he, I asked him one time just as a, the, the, the hair bit, um, he actually had a legit answer. So you might want to take your hair care product advices from BJ instead of me just saying. Oh, next training camp. When he asks for video questions, he's getting a hair care question every single day. <laughs> Maddie, you, uh, you said you found an interesting, uh, stat about the, uh, chiefs, uh, about Mahomes in completions, is that right? Yeah, so I was I posted a tweet just about the route trees and the charts from um, the receivers, Sammy Watkins, Tyree Kill, and Travis Kelsey. And when I was looking at them, I noticed like the incomplete passes. And I didn't think much of it at first, but then it kind of hit me as I flipped through them like the fourth time. There's five incompletions on those three players' charts. Like that's Patrick Mahomes' incompletions, five of them, those three players. That's great. Wow. That's what you want. You want your star players getting a chance to get the ball. And if someone's not going to catch it, you want your best players to be the ones not catching it. This right. isn't yeah. last year where we're forcing balls to tight ends and second tight ends and fullbacks and running backs and they're hitting the ground. Like You want the ball to hit the ground with your best players. When the afterthoughts are making the most of their opportunities. I, I don't want to call them afterthoughts, but I mean, Chris Conley's not getting heavy targets. I mean, let's just be honest. Exactly. That's Demarcus Robinson. Yeah, stuff like that. Like You want those guys to get the ball when they're open and the chance to catch it's much higher. If you're throwing a ball into a contested area, you don't want it going unless it's Demetrius Harris and you're throwing over his head. You don't want to go to anybody else but those main three guys. No, that's a good point, my man. Uh, that kind of leads me perfectly into what I was going to ask you about Samuel H. Watkins, the Lizard King. And I I, he, I had so much fun. I, I think I enjoyed – I know, but watching Pat was a lot of fun. I think I enjoyed watching Sammy Watkins perform uh, a, a lot, almost as much as I enjoyed watching Pat play. Oh, he was great. He was flying so much closer to the sun this week than he did last week in L.A. <laughs> I, I had to work that in there. You took my that first Lizard great. King joke, so we had to get a second one. But uh, yeah, he <laughs> was, was great. great. The way they used him was, I mean, it's back to like he's playing at Clemson and that stuff he talked about this offseason. And I don't think anybody really saw much of that during the preseason. You saw him move around a little bit from, you know, the X receiver to the slot and things like that. But you didn't see any of the fun, cool stuff that we saw last week with the end around and coming in motion, then leaking out on a pass play after that. So it was great to watch him. And I think that's you saw exactly why you brought him in. Like as good as Chris Conley is, he's not going to be able to replicate what Sammy Watkins did. Sammy Watkins, my favorite play of his might have been the end around. We cut it up inside and just like I, I loved that play so much. Like he was, it was, it was so much fun to watch. I, I hope they give him the ball on carry. Like I give him, I hope they give him a carry a game moving forward. 
Right. He's not quite as explosive as Tyreek Hill. And you can even see it when he's running. Like he's fast, but he just looks like NFL player fast, not like a cheat code in a video game. But he still outruns people and he just runs with good power. Even he caught another little sticks play on when the Steelers uh, brought a blitz and he shrugged off a tackle from man to man coverage. And then he just takes a nice, good angle down to the sideline, picks up. I want to say he's got over 20 yards in the short little eight, nine yard pass just because he knows how to run with the football. Like it's as long as they keep using him this way, if they ever get him matched up against an outside linebacker like TJ Watt again, I can only imagine what Chiefs Kingdom would have done had they connected on that long touchdown pass too. What I love about him is that you saw this week is how physical he can be, and you hadn't seen that yet in his stint in Kansas City. For sure. Um, Okay, so you wrote a great piece about the offense, kind of looking at some of the the looks that the Chiefs have employed and some of the problems that you – uh, that the offense can create for defenses. Um, you're you're pretty optimistic about the outlook of the offense looking forward. You don't think it's you think it's going to be always difficult to slow this thing down. Yeah, and this isn't to say there's not going to be bad games here and there because that's always going to happen. But when you go back and just look at what the Chiefs did over these past two weeks, and especially against the Steelers, like what is the one thing you try to take away from what the Chiefs did because they showed you just a little bit of everything. They went vertical, they went horizontal, there was some gimmicky type college plays with the end around and a Spencer Ware throw. But then they also just did normal vertical routes, just eating up the middle of the field when it was open. Then they hit Tyree Kill deep down the sideline. Then they come back and ran a good route combination with Sammy Watkins and Kareem Hunt for a touchdown. They used a little bit of everything, and not all of it was trickeration. Some of it was just basic principles from all these different offensive styles, the West Coast, college spread, air raid, and they just kind of merged it together to where you're just seeing – five, six plays from all these different offensive playbooks thrown at you in unison, and there's just no way to call a defense to defend against all of it at once. Totally agree with all that. I, have you uh, have you been interested in how balanced the offense has been? I mean, it's been a very even run-pass ratio in the first two games. They've done a good job keeping it pretty close. I, I did get the feeling watching the Steelers game that we were throwing the ball a lot more up until we needed to run the clock late in the game, but I'm okay with that the way it was working, and it wasn't like we completely abandoned the run. The one thing like now that I'm having a little bit of trouble with is the Chiefs still, with this much threat throwing the ball, haven't had great runs when they have gone to it. They've, done, they've ran well when they've needed to, but on a random second and seven in the second quarter, you would just think the way they're throwing the ball around, they could pick up an easy five, six yards, no question, every single time. It just doesn't look to be that much of a gimme right now, but I think it's coming. Oh, for sure. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit because we watched a lot of, you know, we, we looked a little heavily at the Chiefs out of empty. And it just looked like the Steelers were disheveled during most of the snaps that they were in empty. Oh, it was. I got another fun stat for you. We ran 14 plays out of the empty formation. We completed 11 passes. One of the non-completed passes was actually a Patrick Mahomes scramble, so it went for more positive yards. But it's 11 passes out of 14 plays for 175 yards and two touchdowns. Like, that's just insane. Wow. And that's stupid. I, yeah. There, what, and what do you do about it? Again, going back to what I was saying before, we go empty. How are you going to play that as a defense? What play are you planning on stopping? Or you can do what the Steelers did and just have absolutely no idea what your defense is doing and play the middle of the field into a little box zone and play man on the outside (laughs) of it. That was just the greatest play I saw. We did the motion. I have it up on Twitter and it's in my article. But the Steelers just go from showing pure man to man. They get seen with motion if going from a three by one formation to an empty set. And they just have no idea what to do. Two guys are left completely wide open on the Chiefs team. I, I would never run two high looks 
out of empty with Travis Kelsey on the field, and I don't understand why they use that at all. I think there, you have to respect Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins' speed on the outside, so if you're not running too high looks, you're putting a lot of pressure on your corners to be able to stick over the top of them, but also be able to play on anything underneath. Because if, I mean, if you're a corner, do you really want to have to deal with tackling either one of those guys on a stick route when they get to square you up? Like, it's just it's no. such a catch-22. Like, there's no good way to go about it. I feel like, and I, I don't disagree, but at the same time, like, Travis Kelsey is just such a problem in the middle of the field. And I'd at, I'd at least make Pat throw outside the numbers. Granted, he's been great outside the numbers. Don't get me wrong. But, man, I just, he they just got exposed when they went with two high looks. No, that's true. And it's not even like, Kelsey was great, and he did a lot of little things super well. But it's not like he did anything crazy. This wasn't one of the things where Travis Kelsey's crossing up Aqib Tlaib and making big catches. He was just <laughs> bending around zone defenders into the middle of the field and catching well-placed balls and just doing it over and over and over again so I, mean, I agree you can't if you're going to play with two high safeties against the Chiefs you at least got to go man-to-man and have a very athletic linebacker trailing Kelsey to at least make the throw have to float a little bit like that's the only chance if you're going to go that route and everyone underneath has to go man-to-man <laughs> yeah you just have to try that and even then it's they like, can't bust they right can't and bust. even then it's not a guarantee but that's kind of the way you're going to have to do is just play man-to-man and take your chance that you're going to get your hands on Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins and that Patrick Mahomes isn't going to make a great play and they don't see Kareem Hunt against the linebacker on the flat just there's so many things like where do you go we haven't even seen the manifestation of everything yet like there's going to be more that comes from and that's what I'm so excited about um Maddie, real quick, any quick thoughts on the 49ers defense? They do not scare me in the slightest from what I've seen so far. DeForest Buckner's been a monster, but he's not a quick pressure guy. He needs a second to get into the backfield, just the way he's he's a very good technician. He's great with power, uses leverage well, but I don't think he's going to wreck a game in the same way that a Melvin Ingram or a Joey Bosa, if we would have played him, could have done. So. I don't see anybody to be afraid of in the San Francisco 49ers defense. It's another cover three Seattle-style team that's going to run pretty much the same coverage over and over again and ask you to beat them. So I, at this point, I have no faith that they're going to be able to slow down a Chiefs offense that can game plan the entire week to see something they know that's coming. Well, that's going to be fun. <laughs> Matt, hey, thank you. S- yeah. Oh, go, go. I was going to say, it's just going to be fun because I'm not 100% sure that the Chiefs are ready to stop a Kyle Shanahan offense at this point in time either. So it could be oh, a very gonna, interesting game. It's going to be like Texas Tech versus Hawaii or something. It's going to be lit. Matt, thanks for, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you here in a little bit uh, when we bring the whole nerd squad back. Looking forward to the mailbag. And now it's time to bring on the oldest member of the AP Nerd Squad. He was around when the Steelers were founded. Craig, how you doing today, my man? Man, I am the saddest person that's a Chiefs fan ever. Y'all get to sit here and rejoice about how awesome Patrick Mahomes is, and I'm sitting here on the end of the couch watching the defense rack up play after play after play and not being able to get off the field. Man, I'm doing terrible right now. (laughs) You guys are all having fun. I'm doing awful. You signed up for it, man. Like it's I did. I willingly came back to do this and and I'm stuck now. I'm stuck. I have to do it. What was your what was your favorite defense to cover? Like if, you know, like of all the defenses you've covered in your time with Arrowhead Pride, you know, back before the internet was founded, um 
What what was your favorite defense to cover? Uh, it was uh, early Romeo Cronell when he when he came over here under Todd Haley. I uh, had peak Tomba, peak Justin Houston, peak DJ, Eric Berry coming into the fold, Brandon Flowers, Brandon Carr. There were a lot of fun, fun pieces on those teams. I, yeah, that, that was really the best time to write about the Chiefs defense in the past little while. You're not excited to be talking about peak D Ford? Hey, I am excited about to be talking about Peak D Ford because I was getting sick and tired of talking about non-Peak D Ford. So this is fantastic right now. Contract is D that... Ford stays undefeated. Yeah, no, and I we've had this conversation a thousand times. I'm not re-signing D Ford. Just just let me either. let him go have his year, let him mm-hmm. do his thing, and then wish him well and get that comp pick. I'm just I'm I'm moving on from D Ford after this year. Um, okay, Craig, I wanted to to kind of take the conversation in two different directions. The first, I want to talk about the good parts of the defense. So the first quarter defense and the stretch in the second half where they they played well. What did you see in those two spurts? Well, you know, in the first quarter there, Chiefs came out, had two three and outs and a, uh, a, you know, another drive that ended up in no points. They played a lot of cover one, played a lot of man. They they really did a good job against Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. They corralled James Conner. James Conner didn't have any room to run all day. It wasn't just in the first quarter, but they didn't really blitz or show too much or stunt they they really just kind of lined up rushed four for the majority of the first quarter and then when it got to the end bob started dialing up a couple more blitzes he started leaning back on cover one again a little bit more and started being able to play some more man they were a little fresher because they rotated some guys in so really it was kind of bookended by man coverage four man rushes and then a few extra blitzes there at the end of the game. That's what kind of got it done for the Chiefs defense when they needed stops. Okay, so take me to the inverse of that and talk to me about the abysmal stretches. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, the Chiefs didn't have a problem getting off a field on third down. They actually did okay on third down. The problem was they never got to third down in the middle of the game. Uh, there was a third and 10 play, the famous Orlando Scandrick hold that the Chiefs had a defensive touchdown that was third and 10. After that, the Chiefs didn't see an, another third down that was over a yard until it was at the end of the half in the two-minute warning where they gave up a 14-yard touchdown and then a, not another one until the fourth quarter are you kidding so are you that that's real that's real there was a third and 10 in the two minute warning there was a third and one before that another third and one in the third quarter and then they did hold on a third and three the the final pittsburgh steelers play of the third quarter on the offense the rest of those all first and second downs or third and one it was it really was the Steelers gaining the the first down on first and second down every time. Yeah, so the Chiefs didn't even have an opportunity to get off the field. They were giving it up too easy. Craig, I am so sorry 
I understand your pain now. I understand it now. That's that's amazing. That's it's brutal. Oh it's brutal. Oh my gosh. Um. Okay. Let's let's. I'll just ask you this. Looking at the first two weeks of the season, what is the biggest need on this defense? Give me like let's let's talk schematically need, and then let's talk personnel need. So I mean, personnel is going to be really hard to fix, but schematically, let's start there. Uh, schematically, Bob's got to not lean on the zone as much as he is. I mean, you have to run some zone. If you run man all day long, your guys are going to get exhausted. They don't have a whole lot of bodies there in the secondary that they can rotate around. So it's not like they can really press and press and press again and just keep rotating fresh guys, especially against guys like Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. So they need to still lean on their man coverage a little more. They have so much more success with that. This week, they were almost a third less yardage per play in man than they were in zone. It, it was an insane difference. So they need to be able to do that more often. And then they've got to rush more than three. They, they really do their best when they're rushing four, Blitzing is hit and miss. You know, they, they don't always get home. So schematically, man defense, rush four, just kind of lean on the the things that you can do out of your nickel defense that are just basic. You don't have to get fancy too much. Uh, okay, let's talk about just one. If you could, if you could fix, if you could add one um, body uh, 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 one body to one personnel group that that you think would make a difference. Um, what would it be? Who like what? What position are you are you looking to add first and foremost? Uh, do uh, is Eric Berry included already in that position? Group? So it's just Eric Berry then. Well, no, that's, that's that, fair. That's that, fine. If it's Eric, it, I think Eric Berry does wonders for the back end there. Eric Berry can help line those guys up. In zone coverage, there's a lot of miscommunication. They're not really sorting things out back there. I think Eric Berry boosts that overall level to a, a fine point, and he makes everybody else look better back there. But if we're not including Eric Berry, just as an addendum here, a coverage linebacker. I know that they've got Dorian O'Daniel. They're using Terrence Smith a lot. Terrence Smith actually didn't look awful this week, but they need a guy that has a little more range. I think they were hoping that Reggie Ragland was going to be able to stay on the field on passing downs. We've already seen that they're sort of abandoning that role for him, and I think that's a good thing. He didn't look good doing it, but I, I would add a coverage linebacker if I got to cheat and add Eric Berry already. So, okay. Well, that's that's I just that's interesting. Um, it sounds to me like the potential of this defense actually falls on the personnel that they have in their building. Like, there's still some upside here that hasn't been realized. Then, I I think that's the case. I would say in week one that Bob called a good game. I mean, I said that in my post. I don't feel like he called a good game. In week two here, inversely, I felt like the personnel was pretty poor in week one, and I was much more pleased with the effort level, the pursuit, uh, a lot of the technique that guys had a lot better 
in week two from the personnel. I think if both of those get on the same page, if Bob calls a good game and the personnel plays well, I think we're talking about a defense that can get off the field. They're still not going to be great, but I think that results in henny time in the fourth quarter rather than relying on <laughs> Pat Mahomes to have to <laughs> come and, and bail the defense out. But unfortunately, it's going to take a combined effort on both sides, and I'm not sure when or if we'll see that this season. Interesting. Uh, that That is very interesting. I Okay, so where do you think, like, okay, let's just talk from, like, a DVOA perspective. Predict where they fall, like, what range they fall as far as DVOA uh, at the end of the year. Uh, overall, I'm going to say 20 to 21. Uh, run defense, I think, will be... Uh, 10 to 12 pass defense, we're talking 30 to 32. Oh. Uh, right now, it looks abysmal, and I know that points everybody wow. to the cornerbacks, but I'm honestly not I, I'm not upset with the corners as much as I am with just soft zones and teams being able to attack them right now. Great. Well, that's something that you definitely want when you have a high-octane offense. Well, my Bobsativity is at an all-time low, Ken. I, I have had to watch 82 snaps the past two weeks for multiple times each week. I, I'm I'm ready for a change. I did a super comprehensive chart of the offense last year, and I know what 82 snaps means. Like, I, I totally feel your pain there, buddy. Real quick, um, just give me a quick summary of what you've seen from the 49ers offense so far. Uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan is an offensive mastermind. Kyle Shanahan has really equipped himself with a good fullback in Kyle Juszczyk, uh, George Kittle, and Selleck at tight end for them. And they like to run a lot of 21 personnel, and they like to run it out of hurry up. So they will split uh, their running backs, fullbacks. They'll go empty with two tight ends uh, and a running back or or you know, sorry, two running backs and a tight end. And they, they'll flex all those guys all over the place and force you to have to put linebackers in bad positions. They stretch a defense, and because they're running hurry-up, you get tired. Now, we saw the Steelers go to hurry-up in their fourth drive of the game, and it killed the Chiefs. They really killed the Chiefs. Uh, the Chargers did it the week before. This is going to be a problem this week. I'm tipping you guys off. And because their their formation is a big formation with either two tight ends and a running back or a tight end and two running backs, we're going to see a lot of Reggie Ragland. We're going to see a lot of three-down linemen against it. Because if not, they'll just line up and run it down our throats. So it's going to be... A lot of yardage, a lot of points for the 49ers, I feel like. If they can get pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo, force him into some mistakes like the Lions did towards the end of the game last week, they can claw their way back into it. Maybe we see a little bit better defensive performance in that regard, but they are a bad, bad matchup for the Chiefs right now. And it's not your grandma's 21 personnel. It's a very dynamic group that they can throw out on the field. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And they will they will throw it 
all kinds of different ways at you. Yeah, I'm I'm a little nervous about it. Uh, I think the offense is going to be able to continue to do what they do. It's going to be an interesting matchup on your side of the ball. Good luck charting 87 snaps next week, Craig. Oh, you're calling 87 already, Ken? <laughs> Ken, if it's 87, you're doing the defense next week. <laughs> oh, the work! I'm gonna throw everything off in your charting. You're just you're really good at this, dude. <laughs> Oh, no. No, now see, now you're going to make me want to do it. I can't handle the uh, the thought of that all being thrown off. Everything's going to be off-man coverage, Craig. Oh, no. No, it won't. <laughs> no, it won't, Ken. Okay, well, how about we bring Maddie back on here? And we are back with the entire Nerd Squad, Matt Lane and Craig Stout, both with me here. We're going to answer your questions on a mailbag. But first, guys, I... Uh, did, did either of you listen to the Arrowhead Pride post-game show on 610 Sports Radio? Shameless plug. Of course. Of course. Okay. In synchronization. Was that both of you at the same time? <laughs> yeah, yes, we planned absolutely. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, well, uh, you, heard the, you heard Sean Barber ask this question. I'm going to play it real quick just so we can hear it again. Uh, and then I want your answer to this question. When the Geek Squad has a chance to really, the Nerd Squad. The Nerd Squad. When you want to be on the team, but you, 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 you got to know what it's called. I know it's the, the Nerd <laughs> Geek. Embarrassing. One. It's embarrassing. Yeah, man. I'm a junior, I'm a junior nerd. You're a junior nerd geek. <laughs> uh, when they get a chance to break down the film, I, I, wanna, I hope they do some analysis of finding out, like, beyond the normal snap count as far as being, non, you know, like, uh, uh, beyond two seconds or three seconds, whenever the normal release point is for a quarterback, I think it's under three seconds. How many passes and how much yardage was given up once he had the ball four, five, six seconds into the down? Because nobody, the, 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 the Madden all-pro defensive backfield can't cover guys for that long. So I don't think that's a technique thing. I think that's just something that, you know, you kind of – it's more of an anomaly and you got to move on from it. Well, guys, would love to, uh, to hear your answer on that question. But are – are we are we adopting Sean? Like, how does this work? I've never had an NFL player be interested in joining a nerdy kind of niche club here. <laughs> First of all, I don't appreciate Wicket referring to us as junior. I mean, <laughs> what, what's up with that? I, we are not junior. I mean, I'm Bob Sutton's age over here. I'm I way older than Wicket. <laughs> um, I w- were you uh. Maddie, uh, are we letting are we letting Sean Barber in on this? See, I was all aboard until he decided to go out there and call us the Geek Squad. Now I have to step back and reassess. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I well, like uh, Barber, like Barber asked me on uh, on the pregame show in my spot with him. I, someone asked me if we were going to let Barber in, and I just like I appreciate the fact that he's out here grinding tape the way we are, which is basically the only qualification that we have is that we just love to watch film and, and kind of break it down. So I kind of. Uh, I said, like, you know, I appreciate and respect the the film grind. I don't know. Like, after that, you know, just completely butchering the name, I'm not sure we can let him on. That's a deep yeah. dig. Yeah, he's, he's going to have to earn his way in here a little more, I think. that's I think that's fair. Uh, but to his question, Craig, I know you've probably you probably have some stats on that based on your, your analysis. What uh, What do you think? I absolutely do. I took what Sean said, and I got my trusty stopwatch out. And I started keeping track of this, and I set the over-under at two and a half seconds. Ben averaged just over 2.6 seconds on the day. But under two and a half seconds of him from snap to throwing the ball, 
the Chiefs allowed 4.33 yards per play over 33 plays. That's that's pretty, pretty tight. Yeah. The moment it went over two and a half seconds, 11.33 yards per play. Oh, yeah. Yikes. Yeah. It was huge. That was 27 plays. So the Chiefs actually did really well when uh, they forced Ben to throw it quick. Interesting. That's that's really interesting. Um, okay, let's just jump into the uh, let's jump into the mailbag. Yeah, we got a lot of questions. We're gonna try to get through as many of these as we possibly can. The first question was a great one from Shane K. Hennessy, and actually, I want you to answer this on behalf of Keith McLean too, because I think he asked some similar things as well. And they're both gonna be at Arrowhead for the first time in a while, or maybe ever. Uh, what are our three musts while they're in Kansas City? Uh, everybody, let's just go one at a time. Like, just pick one, and then we'll go to the next one. So, Craig, give us one thing that's a must. Casey Beer Company. Got to go there. Got to try their German beers. They make fantastic beers. Get off the beaten path. Go try Casey Beer. I'm shocked by that statement. Maddie. <laughs> uh, you have a tailgate. You got to get to the stadium hours early. Got to get out there, get the grill going. Have a couple alcoholic beverages from the KC Beer Company, and uh, have yeah. a good time. So let's get that sponsorship. Hey, yeah, no, we're trying to, we're trying to, we're Shoot trying to get a sponsorship start. here. That'd be great. I'll just, I'll, I'll say you have to try Jack Stack, Arthur Bryant's, Joe's, every single barbecue place imaginable, and a bonus one just because that's we just gave them the three most cliche things that we could possibly give them. Well, beer company's not, but me and Maddie were pretty basic. Uh, go see, uh, go see the Western Auto sign. It's beautiful. It's my favorite landmark in Kansas City. But that's that's so worth it. It's 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 great. Um, at Chiefs Hydro asks, Kittle's gonna have a big day this coming Sunday, isn't he? And he means Greg Kittle or George Kittle, the tight end from uh, San Francisco. What do you think, Craig? Yeah, I, I'm I'm afraid of that. Uh, the 49ers really really like to use their tight ends a lot. Kittle is an athletic guy. He's seen a lot of targets so far in the first couple weeks, and with their up-tempo style, I I think we're about to see a big day from George Kittle unless we somehow miraculously have Eric Berry this weekend. How about you, Matt? Yeah, Kittle and then uh, Kyle Juszczyk, both of them are going to – they're going to do some damage to us this week. And, I mean, the worst part is you can't really go out of your way to do anything to take away the fullback, H-back, and tight ends that Kyle Shanahan can't account for. So I do expect that's where most of the yardage for the 49ers passing attack is going to come from. That was a good add on Juice Chick. That's a, I didn't even think about that. That's another. That's a great point, Matt. Uh, at Larry McCammon asks, the offense looks like it's conference championship bound. What can Bob Sutton do differently with the current defensive squad to keep this team in the hunt for the Hunt Trophy, Craig? I, I think it's man coverage. I think the Chiefs have really been at their worst this season on defense when they are in zone. It's too soft. There's a lot of miscommunication. They're not getting to the quarterback. They're giving up a lot of yards. I just think that they got to stay with their bread and butter. They look good when they're pressing. They look good in man. I understand that they've had some tough matchups you know, over the past couple weeks, but they've held their own in man. I think if they lean on that a little more and rush for, then I, I think that they can improve, definitely. 
Yeah, I'm with Craig there. We got to get get out of the zone coverage a little bit. The Chiefs just don't seem real natural. The players right now at passing guys off from zone to zone, and you keep having guys run out of their zones, carrying somebody a little too far. It just doesn't seem like it's a really well-oiled machine. So I'm get some more man coverage, and they got to do something about the pass rush. We, at this point in time, there's just too much talent in the front seven for us to get the pressure at the rate that we have been. I will say the one caveat so far is our defense has been on the field for like 80 plays every game now, so it's kind of hard to run man-to-man for that many plays. So maybe that's why there's yeah. so much zone mixed in, but it's going to have to go when we need stops. That, that makes a ton of sense. Also, you would think that over time, maybe some of these miscommunications would start to kind of fix themselves a little bit. Some of these units are just – the units just still kind of trying to gel, I think, too. Um, at – a Pitts 14 asks, with our offense being so explosive, is our defense performing at a decent level considering how often they're on the field? Kind of going back to the, the, uh, the snap question. Uh, Craig, start us off. Yeah, I mean, it's it, they're obviously wearing down as the games are going along. We're seeing a lot of rotation, which is nice that they have that depth this year to be able to make that rotation, get some of these young guys in. But the the quality suffers. Uh, you know, the, we saw the Chiefs play pretty well the first three drives of the game, and then have to slip into a soft zone because it became very apparent they were going to have to try and protect the lead and play a lot of snaps. That's the, that's a problem. They're going to wear out halfway through the season if they can't figure out a way to get off the field. Yeah, the defense isn't playing great by any means, and I don't want to give that illusion to anybody, but if you break down the game by like quarters or just even drives, there's been spurts where the defense has been just fine, giving up one, two scores in a couple different quarters to the Steelers or the Chargers. So I can't say the defense is as bad as the numbers say right now. I mean, that's kind of what's going to happen, too, when your offense is scoring as quickly as they have been right now and scoring touchdowns. The opposing team is going to have to keep throwing, go no huddle, make up time. So it's a little bit of a give and take. That's the one reason I was a little confused by the run defense heavy approach we took this offseason because I kind of foresaw this high scoring offense coming, which didn't make sense to me with what they were doing on defense. But we'll see how it plays out as the year goes on. I am foreseeing that the rookie class will probably start to get a little bit more opportunities as time goes on. And that'll help towards the end of the season with with regard to just, you know, getting, you know, fresher legs on the field. That's my hope is that the rookie class can kind of start catching up a little bit at J Diz one six one seven asks, why is Breland speaks getting snaps, Matthew? Because they traded up for him next. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh you're you're probably no. right a little I gotta bit elaborate a little bit i mean no, he go, does go do it. some good things he he sets a good edge most plays versus the run he still doesn't have great technique even when doing that so he can get knocked out of position he when he's rushing the passer he's not going to get usually and yes he's falling down not going to get stonewalled he's going to push the pocket a little bit but I mean, overall, there it, you can watch the tape. There's not a whole lot of a reason that Breland Speaks is on the field other than to give D. Ford and Justin Houston breathers. At I mean, oh, sorry, Craig, go. Sorry. Yeah, no. If you want, if you want to see what uh, what they're missing, watch any of the other outside linebackers drop into coverage, and then watch Breland drop into coverage. It's it really is a little bit like a baby deer trying to find its legs. He's just he needs work getting more comfortable as an athlete right now he's just very very rigid and he's literally only earning snaps like matt said just to keep justin houston d ford healthy 
He looks like Jarvis Jenkins dropping into coverage. At uh, Kenny <laughs> Kenny Nine McCoy asks, which rookie will make the biggest impact this year? It's not Arian Springs, unfortunately. Pour no one more. out. Pour one out again for Arian Springs. Uh, Craig, <laughs> what rookie will make the biggest impact? Well, I, I think we all kind of hoped that it was going to be uh, Dorian O'Daniel or Breland Spreak since they traded up for him, but it's been Derek Nottie so far. Uh, he's getting lots of rotation. He looks good. He looks stout in the middle. He's offering a, a little bit of pass rush juice, surprisingly, because he wasn't known as a guy who could really push the pocket much. So I think he's the guy going forward this year unless they can get O'Daniel on the field later. Yeah, and I'm going to keep riding the Dorian O'Daniel hype train. And he saw the field for one snap. We're calling that progress. So that was 100% <laughs> increase. So we'll see what one happens snap. next week. But uh, no, at some point in time, they're going to have to figure out something for these linebackers. They just a little bit underwhelming in coverage. And Terrence Smith definitely played a better game this past week, but he's still just not going to be the answer when he's underneath. So at some point in time, they're going to have to give O'Daniel a shot. And he's just the one guy that I, I see making a big impact on the passing defense. So just kind of holding out till that happens and it's still going to stick with him. I think those are the only two that are going to make a significant impact. I don't see it for Armani Watts. I We know Armani, Breland Speaks is getting his snaps, but I don't think he's going to make an impact. I think it falls on Nadi and O'Daniel to be productive this year, and then next year those guys can transition to a, a more prominent role. At Joshua Neely, would it make sense to go after someone like Patrick Peterson on a bad team to win now? Matthew? No, I don't think so. Uh, the cornerbacks were not the issue this week. They may have been last week, but this week they weren't the main issue that we were dealing with. The PFF just released their final stats, and I looked at the same thing yesterday on the film. Orlando Skandrick gave up one catch on eight targets and had like 58 coverage snaps. Like that's your third corner, gave up one catch on 58 snaps to the Pittsburgh Steelers. We still gave up 400 passing yards, but it just wasn't going to the corners. It was underneath on the zone, safeties, linebackers getting beat. Having a better cornerback opposite of Nelson and Fuller would be great, but I don't think it's as big of a must as some people think it is right now. Yeah, fully agree. Uh, Skandrick was targeted, I believe, eight times and, yeah, allowed one catch for zero yards. That's, that's phenomenal. He had himself a really great game this weekend uh, like Matt said going out and spending a lot of money on Patrick Peterson is a little bit of a fool's errand right now I'm not sure how well he even really fits into Bob Sutton's scheme you know um, so I, I'm just not so sure that that's worth the amount of money that it would take to bring in a guy like that I think they're looking younger a little more physical maybe a little more imposing presence to fill that role because they don't really have it on the roster right now at Volmer Josh asks, as good as we're looking and playing, I have some reservations on how many times I've seen Mahomes on the ground after throws. Have you tracked the number of hits he has taken? Just curious if we should be concerned uh, about it as if because it, it could take a toll uh, over the course of the season. Craig, start us off. I, obviously, none of, I don't think any of us have charted that, but just kind of give some opinions on Mahomes being on the ground. Start with you, Craig. You know, I, I think he's been doing a pretty good job avoiding hits. You know, the, we know the one where uh, T.J. Watt came screaming in unblocked this week into that uh, slant that Pat threw. He didn't really take a hit on that. He's not taken too many hits. Most of them have been kind of uh, 
casual glancing blows and things like that. So I think he's doing a pretty good job of protecting himself so far. Yeah, I'm with that. He gets rid of the ball quick when he knows he's under pressure, and he's pretty quick to move away from the pressure as it comes in. I mean, I think you do see him take a few, I'm going to say knockdowns, just because he will stand in the pocket in the face of pressure to throw the ball from time to time. So it's little things like that are going to happen, but he's not taking the big hits that are going to cause injuries. Just a push here, push there doesn't concern me at all. Overall, the offensive line has been pretty good in pass protection. I mean, we haven't really heard of anybody getting beat left and right either week, so that's a good sign. I uh, I kind of agree with both of you. I think a couple of his hits have been because he is willing to hang in there and deliver a throw for the most part. I think a couple of them have been self-inflicted hits, um, just running into into the trying to stick his nose in on a zone read at the goal line and a couple other stuff, a couple things. I, I think he could have protected himself a little bit better, but overall I totally agree with both of you. Um, at Joseph Hefe asks, is pass rush pr- uh, problems or pass rushers uh, uh, or Sutton's refusal to uh, to pass rush? So is it uh, is it... Is it Sutton's fault? Is it the pass rusher's fault because uh, with the uh, with the pass rush issues? Go ahead, Greg. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both. Um, D Ford looks great. Uh, been a D Ford critic for a number of years. I think he looks great. Justin Houston does not. Justin Houston has uh, some flash moments. He's overall okay, but. I want a little more effort out of him. It doesn't seem like we're getting the full Justin Houston on every play. And with as much as they're cycling him in and out, I'd like to see more. And then on top of that, Bob is just rushing three too much and dropping outside linebackers and coverage too much. I hate picking on that, but he, he is, it's just way too much right now, especially out of their zone. So yeah, Matt. Yeah, for the most part, I, mean, I agree with Craig. D. Ford has definitely been the best pass rusher so far. Well, Chris Jones has been excellent too, but D. Ford, as far as just threatening the edge, has by far been better than Justin Houston on passing downs. Not overall, as far as goes to run and stuff, but rushing the passer, he's looked fantastic. Houston hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been great either. He had a few good moments versus the Steelers, and at this point in his career, that's what I'm asking for. Late in the game, especially getting all this rest, give me your best pass rushes in the fourth quarter from Justin Houston, I'm happy. Like It still doesn't quite make up for the contract at this point in time, but if you give me big impact plays late in the fourth quarter, we'll still take mm-hmm. it. My big issue with Houston right now is he just doesn't have the juice to get around the edge anymore. He doesn't force offensive tackles to take deep vertical sets to stop him to set up his power and counter move. So it's just a little, less in, or a little more inconsistent than it used to be when he was kind of before that injury took place. Outside that... It's a little bit of the three-man rush, and I've always thought this under Bob Sutton. I don't think the Chiefs' defensive line front seven rushes well together. There doesn't seem to be much of a plan for the pass rush to get a specific person with a one-on-one versus somebody, rather than it's just three, four, five guys going one-on-one with whoever's blocking them in general. You don't see a lot of line slants to occupy blockers, so that way you get the edge guy one-on-one. There was a few plays where D. Ford beat Andrew Villanueva outside and countered back inside only to have the offensive guard sitting right there waiting for him because there was no defensive tackle just occupying him. Even on a three-man rush, that's an easy adjustment to make when you're seeing this happen over and over again. So it's just a little lack of cohesion overall that I've seen for years from this defense too. 
And on top of that, just to tag that real quick, the blitzes, blitzing the inside linebackers, dual A-gap blitzes every time. There's no variance in it. It's very easy for offensive linemen to predict when that's coming. So even when the Bob brushes four, but he's sending guys from the second level up, they're still in predictable spots. It's got to be a little more varied. Free Tano. That's all I got. Free Tano. <laughs> Please. Free Tano. Last question from a at K Gumminger. O-line performance. Is it uh, just better in this style of offense or is it because of development of the players or the chemistry? That is a fantastic question to end on. Uh, Craig, start us off. I, you know, I, I think it is better in this style or style of offense here. Pat just kind of makes everybody look better. Uh little less time with the ball in his hands, able to throw from different angles, able to make stuff work when guys maybe come free and move out of the pocket and throw on the run. So even if they were looking a little bad, I think Pat would be able to cover a little bit for it. But, I I mean, you guys watch the trenches a little better than I do on the offensive line. Matt, what do you see? Yeah, I think as far as pass protecting goes, they're about the same as last year, maybe a hair better at this point in time. But I think part of that's been because defenses are unsure of what to do against Patrick Mahomes just yet. I mean, last year, the pass protection was still about 10th best. I forget the exact number, but they were in the top third, top half for sure, edging on the top third of the league against the pass. So I think it's about the same. Cam Irving has been a surprisingly good at pass protection based on what we saw in preseason so far. I don't know if he just hasn't been attacked in the same way he was in the preseason or what, but he hasn't given up any of those bad quick pressures that were all over the preseason film. So they're definitely two thumbs up. The run game's a little more shaky. We're still very predictable with outside zone, outside zone, outside zone, even from our own one yard line, outside zone. And (laughs) it's just, that's getting a little old and stale. You saw it kind of late in the game when we had to run the ball to pick up first downs. All of a sudden, you got a spread formation and a power run, and oh, there's line movement, and then you got a man block on the next drive. Like it's just mixing it up, letting these guys that we have right now play with a little more power, I think is the way to go. I hope they start to get more of that in there so we can get a better judgment of how they're doing as run blockers versus how predictable they're being as run blockers. You got it. That's. I'm not even going to jump in. That was great stuff, Matthew. Um, you, uh, real quick, we'll just, we got a couple more minutes. Matt, you had a, a little segment you wanted to try out with us. Uh, why don't you just jump in and explain what you want to do here? Yeah, so I watched the film. I tried to get through the defense and the offense and a couple other games throughout the weekend. So I just want to get quick one-liners pretty much from you guys based on what you saw from three random players. You guys have no idea who I'm about to ask about. Now, unfortunately, we used Justin Houston who's going to be my first one. So... The general layout is my first player is going to be a pretty well-known guy that just didn't get much talking about. So for that, you guys just tell me what you thought about Kareem Hump's performance. Uh, I'll start. I thought he was typical Kareem Hunt. I thought he got was there. I thought his contact balance was on point as it always is. Yeah, I, I thought he was good, better than he looked in the preseason. I think he's in for a big year, especially catching the ball. I agree with both of you. I don't think the numbers are going to be as high, but that kind of week against Pittsburgh, that's what you're going to see from him. He's going to run down the ball later in the games, catch a couple passes when things are schemed up for him, but he looked much better than he did during the preseason. All right, so my second player is usually going to be somebody that's a little less talked about sometimes. I mean, this week I think he's a pretty hot topic, but let's hear your takes on uh, Eric Murray. You go and hit me first, Craig. Uh, Eric Murray was not great this week. I think his ceiling is solid but unspectacular, so when he doesn't hit his ceiling, he sticks out like a sore thumb. 
I think you can trust him most of the time to do his job. Maybe not necessarily this week, but he's not going to be a flashy player. He just kind of is what he is. I agree with both that. Yeah, he's a solid guy. He's not going to make plays. He's going to have one bad play just about every game, and it's usually going to be a kind of awkward play, coming in on a blitz and missing a sack, or he's going to jump a route that he should. It's just these random awkward plays that are very negative that stick in people's mind and make them think that he's been terrible, when the most part he's just in the right spot, just kind of playing at textbook. So... And then this last one's a wild card pick. And if you guys haven't had a chance to watch uh, the 49ers at all, that's fine. You can go and say so. But if not, we're going to talk about my guy, Fred Warner. Uh, I'll just say that I love Fred Warner. I haven't watched the 49ers tape, but he's like a dynamic athlete. And if he was in the Dorian O'Daniel role, that would be a lot more fun. Yeah, he's uh, good against the past, good coming down, stopping the run as an overhang. I kind of wish that we had him instead of Dorian. Maybe we'd have that on the field right now. Yeah, nah, he's been a monster these first two weeks for the 49ers. I'd hate to see what their defense would look like. Their defense has not been scary looking whatsoever. So without him, I can only imagine no Reuben Foster, no Fred Warner. I don't see the range on that defense. So he's been great for them. Just imagine had the Chiefs taken you know him in the second round instead of somebody like Breland Speaks. Yeah, I had a top Oof. six. I had a top sixty on him. I love yep. that guy. Well, the guys, that's gonna do it for this week's episode of the AP Lab. Thank you again for listening. Be sure to to ask us questions on Monday. That's when we ask for them. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.